0: Good morning everybody it's so good to be with you this morning on this chilly fall day i don't know if you realize it or not but this is my first real fall like florida we don't have fall like target and walmart tell us when it's fall because the weather stays the same but this is like my first real fall and uh, and i am loving every minute of it loving the trees loving the weather um so uh so we're just digging it and uh our first fall in eastern kentucky and uh so um so, just a couple things before we jump into our message this morning. Uh, I always love to brag on people, and I want to brag on a few people. Uh, we did Kid Zone on Friday night at the uh, Jenny Wiley uh, Festival, and, uh, and Raina paints an amazing face. And so she was face painting, so Raina was face painting, and Anita and uh, Kitty were out there helping out, and Chuck. Um, I should give Leslie credit because he volunteered his wife to do it uh, and didn't tell her uh, she found out on Facebook but uh, but he showed up and so Chuck Rowe was there and Jen and myself and we just and Jackson and we had a great time uh, just getting to meet people uh, and uh, doing some face painting playing some games giving out some candy so I just uh, let's just give these guys a hand that just volunteered their time thank you so much um, and uh and and the second thing i wanted to share with you too is uh, my in-laws wanted to let you know and say thank you uh so jen's parents just wanted us wanted me to tell you thank you for praying uh for them and for all the folks in florida and the hurricanes and they have power back now and they're uh they're getting back to um some sort of normal life and so uh, but they wanted me to say thank you to you so i am saying that because uh, you know when your mother-in-law tells you to do something you do it right and so, uh, so I was. Uh, I, I'm. I've given the message, uh, but today we're gonna continue our message on 40 days in the Word. And man, this has been a really important series. Like, I feel like this has been an important conversation that we needed to have. Cause I don't know if you realize it or not, but 26%, 26 to 28% of Christians read the Bible on a daily basis. So if you do the math, that means that like a ton of people, like 75% of Christians, don't ever read their Bible. And so that's hard, right? That's hard for me to swallow. That's hard for me to think about. Uh, How do we survive? How do we do life without getting into God's word? And so I really feel like this is an important message for us, an important conversation that we have, that we need to have. And we've been covering a lot of ground. Like the first week we talked about, well, how do I even know that the Bible's true? Like how can I trust the Bible? Uh, And the second week we talked about how the Bible is still changing lives. Like the Bible has been changing lives for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and it's still changing lives to this day. Uh, the third week we talked about how we have to partner with the Holy Spirit. Like when we approach the Word of God, when we come and we approach the Bible in the morning or in the evening, or whenever you read the Bible, that, that we invite the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and we partner with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit reveals so much to us. And then we kind of like shifted gears a little bit and we got real practical last week. And last week, if you missed last week, I just encourage you to go back because we kind of gave, we laid it out for you on how to study the Bible and how to understand what you're reading. And we talked about These four really important words that you need to know uh, if you're going to do any kind of reading of the Bible. And the first word was observation. Then we talked about interpretation. Then we talked about association. And then we talked about application. And and we laid it out for you that these four steps there's four steps to understanding what the Bible has for us. And it's using these words. And so if you missed that, again, go back and listen to it uh, and watch it and get a a deeper understanding of what those four words mean. And and today we're going to kind of continue to be real practical. Uh, And so I want to encourage. You to uh, grab some uh, some paper and grab a pen and take some notes uh, because it's just going to be a really step by step again today and helping you to understand this. And so today we're going to take a closer look at those two words, interpretation and association. And we're going to answer the question today, this question: How do I understand what the passage says? How do I understand what I'm reading? How do I know uh, uh, what's going on in the Bible and how do I understand it? And if you're anything like me. And many of you probably are. You've had moments when you're reading the Bible and you get to a passage and you're like, I have no idea what this is saying. Like you get to this passage in the Bible and you're like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And, 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 and we've all experienced that. And so often we just kind of read past it, right? Like we read past it, never understanding what that, that passage or that verse uh, meant for us. And I just want to share this with you today, and I think this is worthy of writing down. It's not going to be on the screen, but I want you to write it down, and it's this. It is possible for you to understand the Bible, and I just think we need to agree with that, that it is possible for you to understand the Bible. Jesus even said that in John chapter 8, verse 32. He said, "'You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free.'" Jesus said, listen, you can understand what's going on, and we can understand what the Bible is saying to us. And the big point that I want you to remember this morning is this, and you want to write this one down too. If you don't get the interpretation right, you're going to get sideways. If you don't get what you're reading, if you don't get the right understanding of what you're reading, you're going to get sideways in the Bible, and you're going to start saying things that don't agree with what the Bible is saying. And so interpretation is so important. And so today, I want to help us to get a better understanding of that. I want to help you understand how to interpret the Bible and to give you some tools to help you to do that. And, 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 and we're going to get very practical, like I said, very practical again. And so again, I want you to take a look at, uh, we're going to take a look at one of the most vivid passages in the Bible this morning. And, and in this passage that we're going to read, uh, Jesus is going to get really personal, and he's getting really personal with the disciples, and, and, and so I hope you're ready, and, and I hope that you'll grab that pen. I hope that you'll grab a scratch piece of paper, grab your phones, get out, open up your notes section, and start taking some notes, and also turn your Bibles to John chapter 15 with me. John chapter 15, and, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read. The first 17 verses of John chapter 15. I know, a lot of verses, right? You're like, Pastor Rick, you're like throwing out a lot of verses. But I just want you to read it with me, and then we're going to unpack uh, this passage. And, and I think once we read it, and once we dig in, uh, you're going to discover what it means and, and what it doesn't mean, and then I'm going to model for you how, getting it, how to get it right how to get the right meaning out of every passage that you read. So if you have your Bibles, John, so in New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's one of the Gospels and uh, written by John. And so it's a letter that John wrote and he's kind of describing the life of Jesus. And here we get to John 15 and, uh, and again, verses 1 through 17. And here's what Jesus says. He says, I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the gardener. So Jesus is, is talking to the disciples. He's already told them. He, he says this important word. He says that I'm the vine and, and, my, and my father is the gardener. And, and then he talks about pruning. And he says, hey, he cuts off the parts that don't bear fruit anymore. And then he prunes and lifts up the other parts that are bearing fruit. And he talks about, and he, and he tells them, he says, and you are already clean. So he's talking to the disciples he says, you are already experienced salvation. You, you've been saved is what we would say today. And, and he says, remain in me, so stay close to me, as I have stayed close to you, because no branch can bear fruit on its own. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Then verse 5, he goes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in me, you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that... Uh, My joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command to love each other. Now, in these 17 verses that we just read, there is so much spiritual insight. Like, like, here's the deal. Uh, I could not possibly teach this passage in 25 minutes. So just sit back because we're going to be here for a while, all right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're just going to look at one verse this morning, one verse out of this passage that because if we took every single sentence out of this passage and picked it apart, we would be here till dinner time, and we probably wouldn't even be close to being done. So I want to focus on verse six. That's the verse I want us to look at today, is verse 6, because verse 6 is one of the most misinterpreted passages in all the Bible. Now, it's not unusual, and you know this probably, it's not unusual for us to misinterpret uh, verses. And it's easy to do. It's easy for us to misinterpret Bibles if you don't have the right tools or if you choose to ignore the rules of interpretation. And so when you're talking about the Bible, uh, you've heard people say something like this. Well, that's just your interpretation of the Bible. As if they, ha- they can have an interpretation and you can have an interpretation and they both are equally valid. And, and I would argue that that's not true. That the Bible, each verse in the Bible has only one meaning. And, and it may be multiple applications, but it always has just one interpretation. And, and so the Bible means what it means. It doesn't mean 10 different things uh, when it's saying something. And so remember this, and we said this at the very beginning, if you don't get the interpretation right, you're going to get sideways when it comes to reading the Bible. So there are right ways and there are wrong ways to interpret the Bible. And if you take a verse out of context or if you misinterpret it, you can make it say whatever you want. And there has been people that have been doing this for a long time. There have been preachers that have been doing this for a long time. They'll take a verse out of the context and make it work for what they want it to say. And any, any verse can mean whatever you want it to mean. And, and like I said, verse 6 happens to be one of those verses that is widely misinterpreted. So today we're going to zero in on it. We're going to focus on verse 6 and, and, and the, the concept of fruit that Jesus is talking about. And so let's read again verse 6. And here's what it said. It said, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now that verse sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? Like that verse sounds kind of ominous. That verse sounds kind of weird and like, like, hmm, something bad could happen. And many will say that this verse means this. A lot of people say that this verse is saying, if you don't remain in Jesus, you're going to be kicked to the curb and burn. Like that's what a lot of people will say that verse means, that if you don't remain in Jesus, that he's going to kick you to the curb and you're going to burn. And some preachers will even say something like this. They'll say, if you don't bear fruit and if you don't lead people to Christ, you're going to lose your salvation and you're going to burn in the fiery pits of hell. Like Pastors will use this verse to say that thing, that listen, they'll say, church, if you aren't bringing people to Christ, that you're going to lose your salvation, that Jesus is going to cut you off and that you're going to burn in the fiery pits of hell. Now that's encouraging, right? Like what a Sunday to go and hear that and be encouraged. But is that really what this verse means? Like, is that really what Jesus is saying to his disciples in this moment? No. I would say no, that that's a huge misinterpretation, and it totally ignores the context and the rules of interpretation. So now that I have your attention a little bit, let's, let's figure this out. Let's talk about the steps of understanding a scripture. And so the first thing you need to know is this. You need to, know your, you need to consider the historical context. You need to understand what's going on. You need to ask the question, who is this verse being spoken to? Like, I think this is the most important basic question when you begin to interpret a scripture. You ask yourself, who's this being spoken to? And why are they being told this? Like, you got to ask yourself the question, who's doing the talking? And who are they talking to? And why are they being told this? And remember, like I said, if you don't get the interpretation right, you're going to get sideways And so until you know the who and the what and the where and the when and the why, you don't know what this verse means. And so what is the original meaning of the text? Who was God talking to and what is he saying and why is he saying it? And so John 15 is right in the middle of a four-chapter conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples it's, it's four chapters long, a four-chapter-long conversation that Jesus is having with the same group of people. So it took place on the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested and taken to be tortured before he was crucified. And it's the last conversation or his final conversation that he has with the 12 disciples before he goes to the cross. So that's the who. Jesus is doing the talking and he's talking to the 12 disciples. He's not talking to a crowd. He's not preaching a sermon. He's having a very personal and a very intimate conversation with 12 of his closest and most trusted followers. And it's one long conversation, and it starts all the way back in John chapter thirteen. That's where it begins, and it ends in John chapter seventeen with a prayer. And so, if we're going to understand the context of a passage, we got to look at the verses or the chapters in front of it and behind it, and 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 and, and after uh, the. And, the verses after it, and, and, and you're studying so you don't put it out of context. So you don't pull this verse out of context. you got to know what happened before, and you have to know what happened after. And so to understand chapter 15, you have to go back to chapter 13. And in chapter 13, Jesus is sharing his final words with the disciples in the upper room. So in 13, or in, in 13 they're in the upper room. And they're having their final meal together. They're observing Passover, which becomes the famous Last Supper, which ultimately becomes communion for you and for me. He washes the disciples' feet, remember that? And, 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 and uh, giving the disciples this picture of serving one another. And, and you see, Jesus knows something that the disciples don't know. Jesus knows that they're going to be in grief in just a few hours. Like Jesus knows that their life is going to be turned upside down with his upcoming death. And so he gives them an example. He gives them an example of loving one another and serving one another because he knows they're going to need it. He knew that they would get so grief stricken that they would forget about his love. And so that's why he says in the last supper, he says, "Uh, here's the bread, break it, eat it and do this in what? Remembrance of me. And he does the same with the cup and he says, and do this in remembrance of me. And then we read on in chapter fourteen, and Jesus continues the conversation, same conversation, same people, and he gives them a number of promises. And he says, "Listen, remember, uh, remember, this is a continuing conversation." He says, uh, and he's just talking to the eleven of them now because what Judas has left the building, right? Like at the Last Supper, when he takes the bread from Jesus, he he goes and he goes to uh, to um, to to tell uh, the 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 religious rulers about Jesus, and so. The first thing that Jesus promises is he tells them, don't worry. He says, listen, don't worry because uh, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you and where I'm going, you you can't follow. And he's like, but don't worry. He says, I'm going to die, but here's the deal. I will rise again. And they don't understand it, but he's giving them these words of hope. And in verses 12 through 14, he says, and don't worry, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, right? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be in you and with you always. So Jesus is like, listen, I'm not going to be here much longer. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and so I'm going to be with you through the Holy Spirit forever. And then he wraps up chapter 14 by telling them not to worry, because even though they will have troubles in this world, even though things are going to get hard, even though there's going to be some dark moments, that he's going to give them peace. And so Jesus says to them in verses 13, or chapters 13 and 14, he says, listen, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. You can, you can talk to me anytime in prayer. I'll be with you through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit with you in you, and I'm going to give you supernatural peace. And then verse 31 says this in chapter 14. It says, Jesus says, come, let's be going. So Jesus has finished the conversation in the upper room. He's like, hey, uh, it's time to go. So come, let's get up from the table and let's go. And so Jesus and the 11 leave the room and they walk over to the Garden of Gethsemane uh, where Jesus is going to pray and eventually be arrested and taken away. But... As they are walking, the scripture says, as they are walking from here, from the upper room to there, the Garden of Gethsemane, guess where they had to go through? They had to walk through the vineyards of Jerusalem. And, and Jesus, as they're walking through the vineyards of Jerusalem, Jesus decided to give them an object lesson. Like they're talking about, he talks about, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he does that right in the midst of the vineyard. Maybe he pulls a, 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 some grapes off the vine. And maybe he's popping grapes in his mouth as he's talking. He's like, listen, uh, I, I, there's one more thing I want to tell you. And Jesus decides to give them this object lesson. And that's where chapter 15 begins. It begins with this object lesson. And it's the same conversation, right? So he's still having the conversation with him and the 11 now. So it's just him, an intimate conversation with him and the disciples. He's like, hey, he's like, check this out. I'm the vine as he grabs the vine. And, and my father is the, is the groundskeeper or the gardener or the vine or the vineyard keeper. And he says, every branch, he's like, listen, check this out, every branch that stays connected to me is gonna bear fruit. And I just see Jesus like pulling off grapes and like popping them in his mouth as he's saying this. And he's like, every branch is gonna, uh, if you stay connected to me, he's gonna bear fruit. But, but if you get disconnected from me, you're not gonna bear fruit. He's like, if you, if you remain close to me, if you stay close to me, you're gonna bear fruit. But if you drift from me, if you walk away from me, if you distance yourself from me, you're not going to bear fruit. So he's like, so guys, you gotta stay connected. He's like, you gotta, I know I've told you a lot tonight. I'm getting ready to leave. I'm gonna be with the Father in heaven, but I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit. I'm gonna be present with you through the Holy Spirit. And you gotta stay close to me. And if you don't stay close to me, Then you won't bear fruit and then at the end of the object lesson he says this in verse 11. he says i have told you this this is why he's told them since the beginning of the of the conversation since 13. i've told you all this stuff since chapter 13 i've told you everything so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete now that's an important sentence because these things jesus is saying these things that i told you I have told you for a reason so that you might have joy. And that's called context. That's what understanding what's going on in this passage. And he's talking to the disciples. And, and why is he saying that? Why is he having this conversation with them? To give them encouragement as he prepares to leave them. He's like, guys, I'm not going to be here much longer. Like My, my hours are counting down. Like, I'm gone in a few hours, and so I want to give you some words of encouragement. I want to give you, these are my last words to you while I'm here on earth. And, and knowing the context, knowing this is the context, what do you think the odds are? Like, what do you think the odds are that Jesus would say something like, so guys, here's the deal. If you don't bear fruit, you're going to be cut off from me, and you're going to lose your salvation, and you're going to burn in the fiery pits of hell. Like, What are the odds or the chances that that's what Jesus would say to them? Oh, and I'm telling you this so that you'll be filled with joy. Like, there's no joy in that. Like, that doesn't make sense. The context alone disproves the idea that he's talking about hell. Like, Jesus is not talking about hell here. What's joy? There's no joy in that. And and so that's not at all what he's talking about. And that's why it's important it's so important for us to look at the context, to understand the who, what, when, where, and why. And then secondly, you've got to define the key words. Like if there's words in the passage that you don't understand, you need to define them. You need to understand what the words are saying. Remember, if you don't get the interpretation right, you're going to get sideways. And so if you're going to get the right meaning of a passage, you've got to make sure that you understand the, what the word means and what it doesn't mean. And so remember from last week, the word pin. And we said there's 60 different meanings for the word pin. Words have different meanings. You can use the same word in a sentence and it can mean two or three different things. And so it's so important that we understand what the words are. And in this passage, the word love. So anytime you see a word used often in a passage, you want to pay attention to that word. And the word love is used nine times in 17 verses. The word fruit is also used nine times in 17 verses. And most of us, if we look at love, we'll figure out what love means. We understand uh, God's love, and we would understand that. But what about fruit? Like, what is Jesus talking about when he's talking about fruit? Because if God expects me to bear fruit in my life, I better know what that fruit looks like. And so what is fruit? And people uh, would say, well, I know what that means. I know that Jesus is talking about, he's talking about the fruit of the spirit. He's talking about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and so on. But is this what Jesus is really talking about? Because the word fruit is used 44 times in the New Testament. And it's used in a variety of different ways. And, 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 the, and it has at least 10 different meanings. And so you can't just automatically assume that you know what the word fruit means. Matthew 3, 8 uses the word fruit when talking about repentance. And and in Matthew 26, verse 29, it talks about the fruit of the vine or communion. And, And in Romans chapter 7, verse 5, it talks about the fruit of death. And he's talking about a sinful lifestyle. That's what Paul's talking about when he uses the word fruit. And so those are just three passages that talk about fruit. And so what does fruit mean when Jesus says that I am and you are to bear fruit? whatever this is it's so important it's got to be important because remember this is jesus's final words before checking out this is his final words to his disciples these are one of the last things that he'll say to them and so fruit must be an important part of that and so that brings up the third principle that you got to understand about interpreting is you got to interpret unclear verses with clear ones you got to interpret unclear verses with clear ones and, and so this is what we call association. And remember, like I said, if you don't get the interpretation right, you're going to get sideways. In chapter 15, we find three clear characteristics of fruit. And we find them in verses 4 and 8 and 11. In verse 4, it says this. It says, remain in me and I as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me so the first thing that i'd write down if i was doing this is i would write down that bearing fruit is produced by remaining in christ that bearing fruit happens when i stay close to christ bearing fruit happens when i'm spending time in the word bearing fruit happens when i'm loving others as christ loved others so it's staying close to christ that's pretty obvious and pretty clear and then verse 8 says and this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so the second thing I'd write down is bearing fruit brings glory to God. Like when I bear fruit, I make God famous. When I bear fruit, I put a smile on God's face. So I'd write that down. And again, that's pretty clear. And then we get to verse 11. And verse 11 says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete and so the third thing i'd write down is bearing fruit will give me complete joy that when i'm bearing fruit i will experience joy in my life so bearing fruit whatever it is is produced by remaining in christ it brings glory to god and it's going to give me joy in my life complete joy and so now i really want to know what fruit is right like i'm like well i want to know what this fruit is and so what's next The next step is you look for the most obvious meaning. Look for the most obvious meaning. What is the obvious meaning in the text? Like, this is the exact opposite of what so many people do. Like, so many people will do this. They will tend to go and find some deep, hidden meaning. Like, they'll look and say, well, that word and that word are sandwiched by that word, so that must mean that. And you just start looking for, like, some hidden treasure uh, in the midst of the text. But, But I want you to know that there really are no secrets in the Bible that there is no Da Vinci code to break, there's no puzzle that you have to solve when you're reading the scriptures, that the purpose of the Bible is to reveal, not to conceal. That that's really the purpose of the Bible. Like the Bible's not there as some treasure hunt that you have to go and search and find the hidden meanings for, like Indiana Jones, and, the, and, and, and you have to figure out all this stuff. That's never the thing. So don't waste your time looking for the secrets, and don't make every detail mean something. So what is obvious in verse six, when it says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Well, first the Greek word for fire uh, here, the word that's used here does not mean hell. Now you're like, well, pastor Rick, I'm not a theologian. How would I know that? Well, guess what? You can Google it and you can find what the greek original greek meaning of that word means and and so it will tell you that it's not the same word that's used for hell so what's happening jesus like i said is walking through a vineyard with the disciples and here's what he's trying to get a, a, the point across he's just basically telling them, listen a fruitless tree has lost its purpose a fruitless tree has lost a fruitless fruit tree has lost its purpose the purpose of a fruit tree is to what? Bear fruit. And if it's not bearing fruit, Jesus is saying it's not fulfilling its purpose. So what Jesus is really saying here is this. What good is a fruitless fruit tree? Nothing, unless you use it for firewood. And that's what he's talking about. The main point that Jesus is trying to make to the disciples here is that non-abiding fruitless branches Are useless in other words he's saying this this passage is Jesus challenging his followers to become more intimate with Jesus and when we do that we bear more fruit for his glory Jesus is telling them he's certainly not talking about going to hell but rather he's warning us not to become useless ineffective stale and boring Christians. He's like, listen, if you're going to be one of my followers, you need to stay tight with me. You need to stay close with me. You need to be intimate with me in in our conversations and spend time with me on a regular daily basis because if you don't, here's what's going to happen you're going to become useless. You're going to become purposeless. You're going to become stale. You're not going to be bearing fruit. So here's the deal, a text without context is just an excuse to make up anything that you want. And so often, Christians are reading God's word and they're just making it up as they go along. And that's not what God wants for us. Like he wants us to understand the text and understand what we're reading. So I hope that today, I hope that you'll see how important it is how important it is to read a passage in its context as you attempt to interpret the passage. Listen to me. Don't just blow by passages you don't understand. Like stop and take the time to try interpreting the text. And if you don't understand it and you can't get a grasp on it, that's when you get some help. You say, hey, Pastor Rick. Or you say, hey, to someone that uh, maybe uh, is really biblically uh, knows a lot about the Bible. And you just say, hey, would you help me understand this text? Like, don't blow by it. Don't ignore it. Don't just say, oh, that's not for me because I can't understand it. Try to interpret it. Try to understand it. Because here's the deal. If you don't get the interpretation right, you're going to get sideways. But when you get it right the meaning becomes so obvious. And so I'm sorry if you've ever sat in front of a pastor who says, listen, if you're not bringing others to Jesus, Jesus is gonna cut you off and you're gonna lose your salvation and you're gonna burn in hell because that's what James 15, 6, John 15, 6 says. You look at him and say, uh, Pastor, you need to read the context of that passage because that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is encouraging his disciples, his followers, to stay close to him so that they don't become useless. You see, I hope you see today how important it is, how important it is to stay close to Jesus. Because when you stay close to him, the promise is that you can have a life that bears a ton of fruit, And when you bear fruit, you're bringing glory to God and you're experiencing the most perfect joy you will ever experience. See, Jesus said, remain in me and you can do anything. But apart from me, you're just useless. You can do nothing. He's not talking about losing your salvation. He's not talking about burning in hell. He's talking about Staying close by his side. So I hope next week that you'll come back and you'll join us as we wrap this up and we talk about applying these scriptures to our lives. How do we do that? Like now we understand how to interpret the text, but how do we apply it to our life? But today, I just hope you know this. I hope you know that God loves you. He crazy loves you so much that he sent Jesus and Jesus with his own words, looked at his disciples and said, listen, guys, I want you to experience complete joy, but the only way you'll experience complete joy is if you stay close with me. And the way that you stay close with me, the way that you remain in me is by reading my word, by spending time in prayer, by being in community with others that know me, by serving and loving others that don't know me. You do those things and we'll be tight and you'll bear fruit and you'll experience so much joy. So as we wrap up today, I just invite you to spend a moment right now, just where you're sitting and just ask yourself the question, am I staying close to God? Like am I? Am I remaining in Jesus? Am I staying close to him? Am I with him? Are we walking through life together? Because Jesus never leaves you. We always leave him. So just ask yourself, how tight? How tight are we, Jesus? Are we close? Are we far apart? Are we close? Are we drifting? remember, always remember this, if you don't get the interpretation right, your life will get sideways when you're reading the Bible. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your scripture. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you how you you remind us in your word that it's living and active. It's, It's not just some book with pages and words, but God, that it is your word for us. It's you speaking to us every day. And Father, I pray that we as a church, that we wouldn't just fall in love with the word, but Lord, we'd learn how to read your word. That we wouldn't get lazy, but that we would do the hard work of interpreting your word. Because God, if we don't take our time to interpret it, we're gonna misinterpret it. Or we're gonna believe every little false teaching that people will teach us. Or we're gonna say things like, well, you have your interpretation, I have mine. God, that's not what you have for us. That's not what you want for us. God, you want so much more. You want us to be close to you and remain in you so that, so that we could bear fruit with our lives and so that we can experience the joy and so that we can bring glory to you. So Father, help us to be uh, interpreters of your word. Help us not to give up. And when we don't understand it, help us to ask. And God, this morning, if there's someone in this room who's never said yes to you, Father, maybe they've never read a Bible. Father, maybe they've never even owned a Bible. Father, maybe they never even heard about this idea that Jesus loves them. God, I pray that today would be the day that they would say yes to you. That today would be the day that they would give their life to you. That they would live their life for you. And God, it's not, uh, no, no, there's no secret code to it. There's no secret handshake to becoming uh, a, a follower of yours. Your word says it's just simple. It's just confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus came on this earth and he lived this perfect life and he died on the cross for our sins because we're sinful. And he paid the price for our sins because we can't do that. And he gave us this amazing life, a life with him now and a life with him forever after. So God, if there's someone in this room today who's never said yes to you, that today would be the day that they would say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I no longer live my life on my own, but I'm living my life for you. Yes, I've sinned, yes, I've screwed up, I'm not perfect, but God, I want you to come and bring that joy into my life. I want some of that joy that we talked about today. Just pray that to Jesus today. And if you're here today and you're recognizing, you know what, I've drifted. I haven't stayed close with Jesus. I've been ignoring him, I've been busy, I've been distracted, I've been walking away, I've been frustrated, I've been whatever. And I'm not, I'm distant from God, I'm not close to him. Then maybe today would be the day that you would say, hey Jesus, I don't want to be far from you anymore. I want to remain close to you. I want to bear some fruit, but I also want to bring glory to God. And I want some of that joy too. I want some of that joy in my life that you talked about with the disciples. Will you give me some of that joy? I'll be close with you. I'm going to stay tight and just rekindle that relationship right now. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us in the many ways that you do. And again, thank you so much for your work. After we sing our last song i just invite you to stand up with us if you'd love to pray we'd love to pray with you you can come up here and pray by yourself um, we call this our altar area uh, our space is your space our house is your house you can just come and uh, spend some time in prayer right up front here and uh or if you'd like someone to pray with you i'm right on the front row you can just tap me and i'll be happy to pray with you or maybe there's someone else in the room that that you would love to pray with you just go grab them and say hey would you come pray with me And they'll come up and they'll pray with you. And we just love the opportunity to spend time in prayer. So so let's stand together and let's sing our closing song and spend some time in prayer.